Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and I know it's cliche to say, and I don't like to say it very often, but when it happens and when it comes up, you got to say it. There's a lot going on here on the Markets and Mortgages podcast, and we are going to start with everyone was eagerly awaiting the press release and then press conference from, of course, the Federal Reserve, and while nothing changed... We did get some idea of what could be happening in the future. So we'll start with the press release from the Federal Open Market Committee to no one's surprise announced that they were keeping rates unchanged, saying in the statement, quote, the committee seeks to achieve maximum employment and inflation at the rate of 2% over the longer run. That's very key, because if you remember, the Fed changed the 2% inflation target from one year to over multiple years. So even though you're sitting there going, Tyler, inflation's 7% right now. True. But over a three-year period, it's not 7% and arguably maybe not even 2%. So that's why they can argue, oh, well, we're not really there yet with regards to the 2% target. They said the committee decided to keep the target range for the federal funds rate at zero to one-fourth percent. Now, with regards to asset purchases, the Fed will reduce those purchases in February, saying beginning in February, the committee will increase its holdings of treasury securities by at least $20 billion per month and of agency mortgage-backed securities at least $10 billion per month. This is down from the $80 billion of treasuries and $40 billion in mortgage-backed securities that we saw at the peak of the pandemic. Now, one of the also one of the other big takeaways was the statement with regards to the labor market. The statement did note that the labor market was strong and that, of course, inflation was, quote, well above <laughs> 2%. So that was from the press release at 2 o'clock. Then at 2.30, we got the press conference with Jerome Powell, and he, of course, expounded on some of the ideas mentioned in the press release, starting with wages. Powell discussed the jump in wages, saying, quote, wages have also risen briskly and we are attentive to the risks that persist. Real wage growth in excess of productivity could put upward pressure on inflation. So what he's worried about is that if wages continue rising and it's not based on productivity gains, which is usually why you would see raises and raises are just happening because the cost of goods are going up. You find yourself in this very scary cycle where prices go up, wages go up, prices go up, wages go up, and it doesn't stop. That's kind of how you get hyperinflation. So you don't want that to happen. You want the wage increases to be happening organically. You want it to be happening because of productivity gains. Now, Powell also highlighted the impact inflation is having on these wage gains, saying high inflation is taking away some of the benefits of these large wage increases that we're seeing now. So he points out that it's great that employee employees are getting wage increases, but it's kind of being countered by this crazy inflation that we are seeing right now. Now, Powell also mentioned or seemed to verify the conventional wisdom that the first rate height will happen in March, saying, quote, I would say that the committee, being the Federal Open Market Committee, is of a mind to raise the federal funds rate at the March meeting. So Powell, of course, 
doing what he needs to do. He's not saying the rate hike is going to happen in March, but he's saying, you know what? It seems like that's the consensus because Powell also made it very clear that they are not tied to any decision, whether it's a rate hike, whether it's asset purchases, whatever it may be. He said, quote, I don't think it's possible say exactly how this is going to go and we're going to need to be nimble about this and the economy is quite different this time. Powell also seemed confident that the strong labor market can withstand the rate hikes when they do happen, saying, quote, there are many million more job openings than there are unemployed people. I think there's quite a bit of room to raise interest rates without threatening the labor market. He also did not deny the idea that we could see a rate hike at every single meeting moving forward. Uh, That question was asked because the last time we saw rate hikes, they sort of happened every other meeting. And so some are wondering if we could see a rate hike happen each meeting if inflation continues to get worse. And he also said historically that this labor market by any standard is very, very strong. So everyone was eagerly awaiting what might happen. It didn't disappoint. Not a lot of new information. We're probably going to get a rate hike in March. The question is, how many are we going to have this year? Three was the conventional wisdom. Now it's probably four. And we have heard there was one Bloomberg economist that predicted five and nothing's off the table. But as we all know, rates, yields are already reacting before any rate hike moves has actually officially been announced. Um, We did get some good news yesterday in the housing sector. New home sales easily beat expectations with double digit increases in December, according to the Census Bureau's monthly new residential sales report. Month over month, the projection was a 2.1% gain. Month over month, we're going to see a little bit of a jump. Instead, 11.9% to a seasonally adjusted rate of 811,000. Now, despite this big jump, new home sales were actually down when compared to the same time last year, that would be December 2020, they were down 14%. Now, defying the trend for the year, inventory was up and prices were down. For pretty much all year, it's been the opposite, right? Inventory dropping and prices rising. The median sales price was down 9.4% to $416,900. And the average sales price was down 5.1% to $457,300. Meanwhile, inventory technically saw an increase. (laughs) Probably not. You couldn't plot this. It's so small. Statistically, it didn't really change, but it did go up to $403,000 from $402,000 in November. But because sales increased, which means the pace of sales increased, the supply rate actually fell. So in November, we had 6.5 months of supply available right now, six. So even though inventory increased a little bit because more houses are being sold, the monthly supply rate actually fell. And unfortunately, sales for the year ended up 7.3% below 2020 at 762,000. Now, Connor Sen, he is a columnist over at Bloomberg, had an important observation looking at inventory based on construction stages. He said fewer than 10% of the new homes for sale in the United States are completed. 10%. 
which means a lot of people are waiting for windows, garage doors, etc. And I can tell you just anecdotally, I have heard this. People, you know, building a house and, oh, well, we don't have this component yet. We got to wait on this. We got to wait on that. Some people, as we've read, are moving into the houses saying, okay, get the garage door when you can, get the gutters when you can. (laughs) But some things, you know, like doors, um, are necessary before you can move in. But yeah, that 10% number, that's uh, kind of a big deal. No doubt about that. And an important stat giving you an idea of why you could see a disconnect between homes sort of being built and you would think, oh, that house has got to be done by now, but it's not, which is going to unfortunately depress inventory at a time when we need as much inventory as possible. So not the best news. So a good report, but the inventory situation and the construction stage situation is something to keep an eye on. And finally, not surprising, but mortgage demand saw a big drop week over week. Why? Well, rates are rising. When rates rise, refis especially drop off. But this week we saw a drop in both categories. So total mortgage demand fell 7.1% or 7.1%, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association weekly survey. Refis 13%. Big drop week over week, now down 53% when compared to one year ago. The purchase index was only down 2%, but is still down 11% year over year. And because of the drops in refis, the refinance share of mortgage activity fell four percentage points to 55.8%. Probably not far off when purchases are going to end up being the majority of the mortgage market. And why? Well, rates. Rates continue to rise. In this case, this week, I should say, is no different, even though the increase did show a little slowing. I think we've seen double-digit increases the last two weeks. This week was actually in the single digits. So the 30-year fix, the average contract interest rate increased 8 basis points to now 3.7%. And the 15-year fixed jumped five basis points to 3% even. So now all the rates are above 3%, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. And yeah, I mean, that's just going to be like a psychological effect for a lot of people. I mean, obviously refining, it does make it, it doesn't make as much sense to refi, depending on where your rate is. Um, but when you're looking at buying some people, it's going to be sticker shock. Wait, wait, what? I thought rates were two something. <laughs> it's like, no, now we're getting to the point looking according to the survey, we're getting close to 4%. Now, Joe Kahn, the associate vice president of the Mortgage Bankers Association, noted that much of the purchase decline has come from government applications, which usually are lower, have lower limits which that is actually pushing up the average loan amount. Khan says, quote, the decline in purchase activity was led by a 5% drop in government applications compared to a modest less than 1% decline in conventional applications. The relative weakness in government purchase activity continues to contribute to higher loan sizes. The average purchase loan size was $433,000 $500 eclipsing the previous record 
of $418,500 set just two weeks ago. And with regards to rates, it's important to remember earlier this week, we talked about the Freddie Mac forecast report and they projected that rates would level off at around 3.6% for 2022 and then rise to 3.9% in 2023. And if you're looking at the survey, well, we're already above that. We're at 3.7. So unless Freddie Mac was completely wrong, you could see rates start to level out. And tomorrow, well, we're going to know for sure. Or I should say we're going to have a better indication because tomorrow at 10 a.m. we're going to be getting the mortgage rate data from Freddie Mac. Also at 10 a.m., pending home sales will be out. They are expected to drop just a little bit, 0.2%. And remind, just a reminder, uh, earlier this week we got data from Zonda and they looked at pending new home sales in December and they had a they had it falling 4%. So we'll see if that number is bigger. And I would bet that Zonda's probably closer than what economists are calling for. But we'll see. We'll see tomorrow. We'll talk about it on Friday's show. Uh, Also, um, at 8.30, we're going to be getting the first look at the GDP numbers from the fourth quarter. Always a big number and how it shapes how things are happening in our economy. And then also initial jobless claims also out at 8.30 as well. So we got... It's a busy week, and we still got a lot to get to. We'll be talking about all of that on Friday. But for now, you guys, enjoy your Thursday. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. Wait.